You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we will be breaking the silence with Brandon Fielding, and we are going to be answering and discussing the question, I'm struggling with pornography, should I be dating? And what would a dating relationship look like? Is it beneficial for me? Is it beneficial for my partner? And I'm so excited to learn from Brandon's expertise. And so without further ado, Brandon, will you introduce yourself? Okay. Yeah, my name is Brandon Fielding. I, I enjoy... Long walks on the, no, I'm just kidding. I got my degree <laughs> in psychology from BYU and then my MSW, so um, my master's in social work. And I am currently practicing as a uh, licensed clinical social worker in both Utah and Washington, Utah remotely. I am working on my PhD right now at Portland State University in public affairs and policy, where I'm focusing on policies to help the effects of abuse and trauma. I'm 31 years old. My wife and I are expecting a little baby in March. Nice. <laughs> so excited for you guys. Me too. I like playing board games and I enjoy going to the gym. Thanks for introducing yourself, Brandon. I think you summed that up great. He is also really good at D&D. I know that firsthand. <laughs> and he is and not need, so much a closet to, nerd, I guess. We need to clarify that it was Chriselle who got me doing D&D in the first place. I, every time that comes up, I need to make that very clear. <laughs> Which is really funny because I think I've only played once since then. <laughs> so. <laughs> so good. But today we are going to talk about, I think this is such a good question because so often I think we get this idea in our heads that until we're perfect, like it's not a good time to date or it's not a good time to find a spouse. But I don't think that's true. And so I'm excited to tease that apart, especially in regards to pornography. So Brandon, what have you seen in your practice as well as just like in helping people to like, just kind of start this off? Like, why would it be good to date and to socialize in that way, even if you're still struggling with pornography? Well, I think you mentioned something that hits the nail on the head, but we're never going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that sometimes things can be severe enough that we maybe take a break from stuff like dating for a little while. But my answer to the question is yes, I still think for the most part, we should be trying to date and pursue relationships. I don't think most people realize how commonplace this is in our day and age. Something like 87% of men in Christian denominations are viewing and like 44% of women it's pretty prevalent. And so to say that if we're struggling with pornography, we should avoid relationships at all is, I don't think anybody would be in relationships. Yeah, that would be super sad, first of all. And none of us would be worthy enough for a relationship if we're just going to say, oh, you have to measure up in certain ways before you can start at least practicing or pursuing being in relationships. So of course, it would also work for those who are struggling with pornography. So you mentioned that it's something that many people may not understand how prevalent it is. Therefore, it's a common struggle. 
uh, what else should we be keeping in mind when we're thinking about dating someone who's using pornography or struggling with it? Um, and then when we personally are, are struggling with it? Because of the shame that's associated with viewing pornography, people aren't very open about it. Brene Brown, who's a pretty awesome researcher, talks about shame and guilt quite a bit. And she explains that shame is like mold and that it grows in darkness. And the more open we are about those things that are shameful, the less power that they have. Things like support groups or talking to family members or being open with ecclesiastical leaders or even those that we're dating is, I think, pretty important. If everybody were a lot more open about the things they struggle with, I think there'd be a lot less shame around those ideas. So I think we need to recognize that everybody has their baggage, whether it's pornography or whether it's binging Netflix or whether it's overeating or whether it's overexercising, whatever it is, everyone has stuff they struggle with. I really appreciate that because again, I feel like at least I did, I bought into the narrative that I'm not married or I'm not in a relationship right now because I'm not perfect or like I'm struggling. <laughs> and, and until I reached this like idyllic level of perfection or like this person that I had in my head, then it wouldn't happen. And that's just not true because the fact of the matter is I, I do have baggage and so does my husband. And he did when we were dating. And I am so grateful for that baggage because it's made us who we are. And if quote unquote, we didn't have that baggage, good and bad, right? Then we wouldn't have near as much depth or strength in our relationship, if that makes sense. What it sounds like you're saying that you guys talked about it as you were dating, which I think is important. Not that we throw out right away first date that we're struggling with this or that issue, right? Hi, I'm Rochelle, and I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah. But when you get to a point where you're emotionally intimate enough with someone that that's something they should know, it's important to talk about what you struggle with and what's hard for you because that person should know, but they should also understand that everyone has baggage, like you said. Yeah, yeah. We can use this, our issues, and in the sharing of those with our partner to create intimacy, or at least if we're vulnerable enough to test the waters and, and start sharing more and more, because we don't share everything with everyone because it's not necessarily always safe to do so. Yeah, yeah. when we are open about and vulnerable about those deeper parts of ourselves, maybe something that causes a lot of shame, not only I think does it increase the strength of a, of a relationship, but helps you normalize that thing right? Oh, yeah, my brother struggles with this too, or my dad had an issue with that too. It helps people realize that they're not alone and it's not just them. Love it. I really appreciate that. And I think that's really important because so often, I mean, you mentioned Brene's example of how shame is like mold <laughs> and it grows in secrecy. And I think one of the biggest lies that shame tells us is that we're alone in whatever it is that we're struggling with, that we're the only ones struggling with it. I know that's something that I really bought into when I, and my experience was more with like betrayal trauma and that, but I really bought in that no one understood what I was going through, that um, there was no way that I was going to be loved by anyone because I was so broken. And all of those lies are not true. <laughs> but they felt really true at the time. So how do we combat those lies? How do we, how do we work through that? Again, we're going to call on Brene Brown, but shame grows in darkness like mold. And so the more we talk about it, the more open we are about it, the um, 
more we can encourage other people and ourselves to share in our struggles. And then when we have the support of those around us, the struggles aren't so hard. I think that's part of the lie that you were talking about, Rochelle, that when you feel like you're alone, you don't have anybody else to rely on or support to, um, to seek out. There's so many resources. Um, maybe you've talked to family members because I bet they've had struggles in, in maybe if not necessarily sexual things, but other areas that they can relate to reach out to church leaders or um, trusted academic persons, reach out to um, real support groups or even professional help. The more we talk about it, the less that shame can affect us negatively. I really like that. And I, I can't remember if you touched on this when we were talking before or while we were recording, but you mentioned that often there's like a stigma, especially with mental health, where like, I'm not weak, like I have faith. So like, I don't need medicine or I don't need extra help. Like I just need to pray more kind of idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that what you're talking about is really important because it's important that we get over those like cultural beliefs and we reach out and we utilize all of the resources that are available to us. And I think that intimate dating relationships can be one of those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At the right time and place, right? Like we said before, we're not just going to ambush somebody and say we have issues with pornography, but that's something that should be after you make sure that they're a person that can be trusted. Yeah. And talking about how being open with safe people can really minimize shame. I mean, I've mentioned this multiple times, but that definitely was a part of my story. I wasn't currently dating someone at the moment when I started to open up more about my past struggle with pornography, but I did with my brothers and other family members, my sister, and then even just friends, just because I wanted to normalize it. Because I understood that we're all dealing with this junk. Let's, why don't we talk about this more often? Um, so that was so helpful for me. In addition, I've, I've learned that that's the same thing with every type of issue that we're dealing with. I know, Brandon, that there's a fear depending on the severity of the pornography struggle. If the problem is severe, you should probably seek some help out before you engage in that dating. Let a clinician determine it for you, though, and then seek ecclesiastical and professional help if necessary. I think oftentimes we could self-diagnose improperly and therefore limit our ability to growth, but also limit our ability to tackle the problem, first of all. But then it's just good to get professional help to help determine where we are. And it's so okay for us to, you mentioned this earlier too, take a break from dating if we need to, to really get a handle on that kind of problem. Because if we don't and enter into a relationship, that can be so difficult, not only on our partner, but on ourselves as well. So working on something at least to a degree that it's stable enough, but this is something I'm sure everybody has to determine for themselves and with professional help too, if possible, for when they're finally ready to enter into a relationship. Is that right? Yeah. And if there's open communication, there's not going to be an issue of you self-diagnosing right? It'll be normalized. You'll know when it's important to reach out and not. I think I've talked with Chriselle about this before. We've both <laughs> ranted about it, but if we start at a young age and parents talked openly about sexual things and issues, then kids wouldn't necessarily feel like they needed to go to pornography if they're curious. They wouldn't need to go to other sources to figure this stuff out. And then little by little, pornography becomes a symptom of a bigger issue that they've used to self-soothe. 
pornography is a, a negative coping skill. It's not the root issue. We use the negative coping skills to deal with difficult emotions, and some can be a lot more destructive than others, like pornography or other risky behaviors. We're never going to get rid of our issues all at once. We're always probably going to have some anxiety or depression or whatever the case is. And so thinking that I need to finish working on those things before I can start dating, I think is unrealistic unless it is severe and you need to be really getting some help for it. I really appreciate that because I think that that is such a good way of looking at pornography. Again, like we're so quick to jump to, I'm addicted to pornography or... I hear that all the time. I agree. It's detrimental. Right. And that label has a lot of baggage itself, but it also is so challenging because then you start to believe that you're broken right? I think is one of the biggest problems with that. And so remembering that you are a work on progress and this idea of, okay, I'm soothing through pornography. What, what's the unmet need? Mm-hmm. What's the unmet need that, that is missing? One of my favorite quotes by Spencer W. Kimball is that he said, Jesus Christ was able to always look beyond, and I'm paraphrasing. This is totally paraphrasing. Right. Said, Jesus Christ was, was able to look beyond the sin and see that the sin was an unmet need in the sinner's experience. Again, that was a Chriselle's paraphrased version <laughs> of that. But I love that. And I come back to that all the time because my own like misbehaviors or sins or, or different things, they're unmet needs for me. There are also going to be unmet needs for the people in my life that maybe I'm like having a difficult time with understanding why they're making those choices. And if I can understand and help that unmet need within myself, then I'm going to be able to progress so much more rather than just continuing to berate the sin, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So what would that look like in a dating relationship? Like how can someone work on that and be in a healthy relationship? Is it possible? I think so. I've seen it. I'm convinced that it can work. I think, like we said, first severity, if stuff actually rises to the level of addiction, you should probably work on that. That doesn't necessarily mean you can't be in a relationship. But again, when you at a place in a relationship where you can talk openly about that with someone, that should be something you share. And as you address the root issues, maybe anxiety, depression, whatever it is, the symptoms will become less prevalent and you'll become a better potential spouse. So you can date. It's good for you. It's good, even if that's not your spouse. And it's good to learn how to navigate and talk about these important issues so that, like we said, when you have kids yourself, you're more able to talk about these things with them. And it's not so shame-based and scary. And I really love this C.S. Lewis quote, which Chris Shell made me think of, but it's so beautiful. I just want to share it again. He says, pleasure, money, power, and safety are all, as far as they go, good things. The badness consists in pursuing them by the wrong method or in the wrong way or too much. Wickedness turns out to be the pursuit of some good in the wrong way. And so even sexuality, our desire to go towards pornography, that desire there is is good or that desire to engage in sexual things is a good thing. But oftentimes it can get really messy if we're pursuing it in the wrong way too much or using it too it's that desire to the problems, right? And if we're not having our connections met in a healthy way, we're going to go about it in an unhealthy way. I agree. Mm-hmm. 
I think this is all so beautiful and I want it to just be shouted from all the rooftops and for everyone to to really internalize these things. I personally want to internalize them more, remembering that like I am worthy of love regardless of what I'm currently struggling with. So this has been so beautiful. Brandon, do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? <laughs> Date, it's good for you. <laughs> Amen. awesome and i think don't you have a call to action for our listeners as well yeah absolutely i would say not to do this on your own the more help you can get support groups bishops other church leaders family friends professional services the stronger you'll be this shouldn't be a shameful thing and when we all start opening up about this i think that's when we all can start moving towards a healthier direction Yes, I love that. And that's a part of the reason we started this podcast. We wanted to break the silence, break the shame. So perfectly set. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. Uh, It was awesome, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Brandon. Great stuff. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.